I have no standard pricing model. It's uh, I try to get a percentage of cloud usage, um, uh, kind of low digits um, overall. So, like, think of it: if you're spending a hundred thousand a month on cloud spend, I'm going to try to get one to two thousand dollars of that at least. You are listening to conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today goes by LV. He's building a very cool company called Teloflow, which is a Y Combinator-backed company in cloud management. Prior to that, he was in the 3D printable and wearable and auto parts space. He's a developer. He was in the developer ecosystem team at Atlassian and dropped out of Claremont McKenna College in 2014. Is Forbes under 30 in manufacturing at 22 and Forbes under 30 all-star based in LA and Vancouver. LV, you ready to take us to the top? I am, yes. Thank you. All right, so you were sort of in the manufacturing space. Uh, Forbes recognized you for that. Talk to me about the SaaS company. When did you come up with the idea? What year? Uh, we came up with, I mean, we've gone through a few pivots. So, um, you know, I started working with my uh, team of co-founders for Tailflow roughly three years ago. Um, and uh, we've gone through two pivots to get to where we are today. Um, we initially started building low-code, no-code uh, SaaS integration tools. Um, then realized our customers had a pain point around cloud management, pivoted to that. And then when we, we got a bunch of customers for the cloud management product, but then realized there was a bigger opportunity beyond helping people optimize um, cloud bills on AWS and GCP. And, and saw that um, uh, really what they were struggling with was picking the right tools um, for the use case. And so uh, we're now kind of building that analytics layer to help develop, development teams make those decisions as quickly as possible. Interesting. So, 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 should people think of this sort of in the same route as as sort of cloud checker or some of these cloud spend management tools or different space? It's um, if there was a Venn diagram, I would say it's a combination of those and a combination of like G two and Gartner type analysis. So, interesting. Um, so, what we really do is we help dev teams find the best dev and cloud tools for their use case. And so, we built these open standard expert systems that will gather requirements for the use case ingest usage data from their existing cloud infrastructure, try to understand their architecture as deeply as possible, and then offer very precise recommendations as to what dev teams should be using in their stack. Um, uh, let's say if they're looking for a product or even if they're not, we can offer proactive recommendations. I see, okay. So when did you write the first line of code for the business? Uh, well, um, since the pivot, uh, I would say a lot of what we were doing was uh, today is relevant to um, what we were doing 
roughly a year and a half ago. So about a year and a half ago when we started in cloud management. Okay. And just to be clear, sorry, pre-pivot, like when was the business filed? You sort of said, hey, here are my founders. We're going to go on this idea. I understand you pivot a bunch of times, but when did that start? The founding team came together um, April 2018. 2018. Okay. And and look, the pivot is never easy. Did the pivot happen while you were going through YC? Is that Was, the, was that the forcing function? Um, I wouldn't call it a pivot. I would just think of, you know, we, of course, repositioned the product slightly here and there, or trying to iterate towards product market fit. But um, the pivot happened... Uh, solidly around uh, November last year. I see. Okay. So you pivot into this new world. Now, did you already have customers lined up for what you're pivoting into? And if so, how did you get that waitlist? So um, when we launched a cloud management product, uh, we went viral on Hacker News. This was about a year and a half ago. And about April last year, so about a year ago, we had about 70 companies using their product quite a bit to optimize their AWS infrastructure. And a few of these companies actually had uh, pretty large cloud footprints. And we started having these this monthly cadence with them, you know, trying to understand how they were using cloud, what their dev stack looked like, and so on. And what kept happening is um, we were hearing that they were looking for help to make decisions as to what tools they should use, um, uh, even beyond AWS. And so we saw this explosion in tooling, it came an explosion, if you will, um, in the dev tool space. And there's so much complexity when it comes to picking the right API product, the right cloud product for a specific use case. And so hearing our customers, um, we decided to pivot to that because that was white space and, and a really big opportunity. Um, and we saw that as this market was maturing, uh, consolidation was less likely and there was just going to be a lot more niche uh, players and specialization. And, and in those kinds of markets, you typically want a third-party trust player. And we didn't feel that Gartner or GT could fill that role given the information content isn't really good enough for developers to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Got it. And so help me understand um, the founding team. It looks like there's, there's three of you guys, right? What make, what's sort of the makeup between, you know, what are you handling versus the other two co-founders? How'd you split roles? Of course. So I'm the CEO. I, I, I spend most of my time um, in sales calls, uh, you know, strategy, fundraising, uh, that kind of stuff, whatever, whatever needs to be done. Uh, my other co-founder is um, so. I, one of my others is uh, Todd. Um, I don't know. I, I know Todd because he's my best friend's dad, so I've known him for a while. And um, Todd is a unicorn in the sense that he's both a veteran CFO and a veteran CTO. And a lot of these decisions that people make in their cloud stack are multi-stakeholder decisions, where you're looking at both finance and engineering having a pretty serious role. And so he's able to harmonize the language between those two. And he's a a pretty great founder himself, uh, having you know taken multiple companies to 20, 30 million ARR himself. Um, Jason, my other co-founder, actually worked with um, at my last company, Weave. He was our first non-technical hire, helped us get to a million ARR, uh, then became the head of product at a fintech called Grow, um, which is based in Canada. They had an exit to ATB Financial, but um, Jason um, you know, helped build some of the first public cloud projects uh, at some of the major FIs in Canada. And uh, in in our experience, here's a consistent pattern is we've all sold, um, you know, uh, APIs of various sorts. Um, so even at my last company, Weave, uh, I was selling um, an API to the major CPG firms and health and fitness firms to help them with 3D customization as well. And Jason was selling fintech APIs to the bank. So uh, we understand both vendor and buyer pain points very well. You mentioned you're spending your time on fundraising. So how have you funded the company to date? Well, uh, fundraising through pivots is tough. Um, you know, we've kept the stuff, same cap table since the very beginning. Um, we've done a tiny bit of cleanup for sure, but I would say this, um, we've, uh, 
just tried to find high value angels. That's been our focus um, until very recently, where we did get the involvement of two firms, Voyager Capital and Wonder Ventures. Um, and YC Continuity also participated in our last round. We've raised 2.4 million to date, and a million was raised just a few months ago. About Got it. Two. And so what um, obviously you did the pivot, you then show some traction, then you're able to go raise the additional million just a couple months ago, right? So I want to dive sort of deeper into the product now. So when you started the pivot and you started onboarding those first couple of customers, you said last year 70 customers, was it customers or just free users on the platform you were learning from? Yeah, free users on the platform, about okay. a lot of them were paying. Yep. That, yeah. So that's what I want to talk about, right? Is this is there's this beautiful time where you go from like learning mode to like, okay, now you want to earn. Like, and how do you like politely ask these folks to start paying who have helped you really shape the product? How did you do that? Um, the first thing was to offer as white glove a service as we could. Um, so the, the way I would pitch it is like anything you need, <laughs> cloud related or dev tool related, any question you have, you know, um, talk to us. And one of the main um, drivers for that was actually a shared Slack channel between, uh, you know, our, our team and their team. And we just found that, um, through these trial periods or extended pilots, like people would ask questions again and again and again, and slowly they learned we were invaluable. And that helped us establish a monthly cadence where pretty much like large swaths of a dev, dev team will be on a zoom call with us. Um, and we kind of do a whole overview of the stack and, um, when that cadence came into play, we started learning what kind of tooling people need in very targeted ways. And um, it, the question really became like, hey, if I built this for you, um, will you pay us? And um, that's how we started getting customers to say yes. Love that. Uh, but yeah, definitely offered a ton of white glove service before we even got there. And how are you pricing? What, what are these customers paying on average per month to use the tech? I have no standard pricing model. It's uh, I try to get a percentage of cloud usage, um, uh, kind of low digits um, overall. So like, think of it, if you're spending 100000 a month on cloud spend, I'm going to try to get one to $2,000 of that at least. Okay. Um, but uh, it, it really depends. I have uh, revenue coming from uh, two different um, sides of the market right now. I have uh, <laughs> revenue from the demand side. I have revenue from the supply side as well. We have cloud vendors that pay us as well for buyer intent data. And um, for data on on uh, how they can better position their product in the market as well. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. And how many now customers are you serving today? Uh, less customers, but uh, more revenue from each. So we have um, eight paying customers. Yeah. Got it. So down down from eleven to eight, but you've scaled up, right? Which makes sense because if their cloud spend increases and you're taking one to two percent, you sort of make more money there. So um, I guess is that the plan moving forward? Less customers, higher higher volume prices, higher ACV. Uh, the plan going forward is to really focus our business model on monetizing the cloud vendors. And so I expect uh, that we're going to have a painful few years where we're uh, going to be more focused on the flow we can get through the platform for the cloud vendors while we learn how to um, monetize them. Um, and sometimes you have to meet a threshold, similar to like G2, right, where they had to meet a threshold before they, uh, they could really monetize the buyer intent data um, at a large enough scale. So we're just prepared okay. for that. Can I ask you how much sort of GMV is you're tracking through the platform in terms of cloud spend right now? Do you have enough routes into those systems to actually quantify that? Yeah, so um, it's not a perfect representation of what we're doing, but we are definitely monitoring um, close to 15 million a month um, okay. in, in, in GMV. Um, but again, that's the caveat. It's monitoring. Like I'm, I can see that going through, um, but it's not like I'm... I'm helping people make decisions for 
each dollar of that. So uh, yeah. there's a bit yeah, of a so, so So one to 2% of that 1% would be $150,000 a month. It sounds like you're not there yet in terms of business revenue at Telflow, but how do you get there, right? So like you, yep. you see it, you see it, it's like teasing you, you see it right there. And now it's, how do I add value to this? How do I save my customers money to get 1% of this? Definitely. Um, so what we learned is that vendors are willing to pay uh, a lot for a great relationship. They're willing to pay a lot for the data as to how they can better position the market. So on one hand, I have to meet a threshold in specific categories where I have insights that vendors will pay for. And we did that initially in object storage where we built a lot of uh, data on how people were using object storage enough where like vendors would pay us uh, money to um, understand how they can better position their product. We have a leading object storage vendor that actually is entirely repositioning their pricing in the market based on the insights we provided. Um, so, and, and that's highly valuable and we get paid quite nicely for that. Uh, on the other hand, um, I, we're still proving this out, but I have to be able to show the vendors that through the flow we provide on our platform, they can convert these customers and at a higher clip and that our, our prospects are way, are very highly qualified by the time they get to the vendor. And so, as you can imagine, we work with like, let's say a series A, series B, VP of engineering, engineering manager level person. Um, we kind of gather the use case requirements for a specific product, let's call it like an APM. So they might be evaluating Datadog versus New Relic versus App Dynamics and so on. And um, we'll do a very, very use case based analysis as to which tool they should buy. And then the buyer is ready to make a buying decision at that point. I want to make the referral to the vendor and uh, and get um, uh, basically a reward from the vendor. And and the model we've been trying with vendors is to actually get a percentage of usage in perpetuity, which can be very lucrative for us because um, the net revenue retention rate of um, these cloud customers is quite high, especially in the segment we're focusing, which are growth stage um, uh, tech. And the big P word, perpetuity, forever is a long time. That'd be a hell of a negotiation if you can get it done. So can you give us a sense of scale today? You're under, you're under $150,000 a month. What did you do last month in revenue? Uh, so we're way under that in monthly revenue. So um, we are roughly, yeah, this month we're 17K. That's great. Hey, you know what? Uh, going from zero to a dollar is the hardest part. So, so <laughs> When you raised the $1.5 million recently and you were talking about to the continuity fund and some other super angels, what did they see in your story, your deck, your financials that they really liked? How were you able to lock down that additional 1.5 million? Well, I think the story first, first off is quite powerful, right? Which is that like you, you, about a year ago, this was not, I mean, sophisticated investors would have said, well, multi-cloud might not really happen. You know, these cloud vendors are going to consolidate and it's going to be AWS CCP versus Azure. And, and, but, but really talking to our customers, we learned that there's going to be a lot more competition. And that's why I see successful firms like Snowflake, Datadog, yep. you know, like these decisions are everywhere. And it, there's not, there's never like a de facto answer we're learning. Like there's a lot of analysis that goes into these decisions and no one was powering that. So I used to give a couple of analogies. I used to say, look, like, you know, you're not going to buy a car without a Carfax report. We want to kind of be that, that player in the space um, for cloud where every decision um, has to go through us and we're that hub where decisions happen for cloud. And over time, the vision is that we're going to automate a lot more of those decisions. Um, right now, they're more static and sticky, uh, but as uh, cloud commoditizes and as um, certain parts of cloud commoditize and as um, uh, vendor lock-in gets lesser and lesser with standards like Kubernetes and Istio taking shape, um, we will probably be able to um, uh, be a much more active decision-making tool um, than we are today. And I think that's a very big vision where, uh, you know, 
even the cloud vendors that are, are at our mercy when it comes to uh, getting their, their deal flow. So if you, if you get enough volume, then yes, you certainly have pull there. We'll see what happens as we wrap up here. Talk to me just quickly about team size. How many folks full time? We're five. Five. Okay. And I assume burning capital as you drive growth. Mm-hmm. How many engineers? Uh, three engineers, um, head of product and myself. Yeah, that's great. Very good. All right, LB, let's wrap up with the famous five here. Number one, favorite business book. Uh, thinking grow rich. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Uh, yes. Um, I would say that would probably be, um, Hmm. I mean, uh, of course, I like Stuart Butterfield a lot. So that would be one. Yeah. Number th- number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Teleflow? Oh, uh, Google Sheets. <laughs> number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, I had a baby a couple of weeks ago and I have a toddler. So it's been to maybe like two or three. Uh, <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I was going to say, I heard him in the background. I was going to ask you how many. So married and how many kids, two kids? Yeah, married with two kids, one, two, and one just a few weeks old. Uh, and wow. I, um, my wife's water broke uh, two hours after I pitched on demo day. So it was crazy. Oh my gosh, that is wild. Okay, and how old are you? I'm uh, 28. 28. Last question. What's something you wish you knew when you were 20? Um, to spend more time thinking about what I want to do before I go ahead and do it. Guys, there you have it. Taloflow.ai launched, call it back, code written, and team form back in 2018, pivoted a few times majorly, really about 18 months ago, now helping folks understand what tech they should be using based off their specific use cases. They're working with eight enterprise customers right now, have vision directly into $15 million a month of sort of cloud spend. The question is, can they get a percent of that cloud spend as their revenue stream currently doing 17 grand a month, about uh, uh, $2.4 million raised to date. LV, thanks for coming on and thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you. Take care.